Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Phil Pringle. Pastor Phil is the founder and leader of C3 Church Global, a global family of churches that began in Sydney, Australia. Today, the C3 movement is represented in 14 regions among over 600 churches. He's also the president of C3 College, which focuses on training and developing leaders for the church today. In this episode, Phil will unpack disciple-making ideas and insights from his book, Disciple, as well as unpack what he envisions as a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these times. It's going to be a good one, so lean in, leaders, and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of the Avail podcast where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. I am honored, privileged, blessed, humbled, happy to be sitting with an amazing global leader of the kingdom of the church, none other than Pastor Phil Pringle. Pastor Phil, you're on the Avail podcast. How does it feel to be here? I love it. And it is such a pleasure to meet you, sir, and to hear of the incredible things you're doing there in, in Florida uh, as, as pastoring, taking over from your dad and yeah. boosting the church, taking it forwards, building the kingdom, doing these podcasts as well. My Lord, you're yeah. on fire. I love it. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. Pastor Phil, I'm so blessed. I have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of mutual friends, a lot of people that I know that have either been covered by you, have been blessed by you, are connected to you and, and your network. And I just want to say on behalf of the Avail team, we're honored to connect with you. Our Avail audience wants to get to, a lot of them know you. Some of them are leaning in to get to know you. Why don't you share, before we jump into the leadership conversation and talk about your book, Disciple, uh, can you just share a little bit of the 30,000 foot view? Who is Phil Pringle? Thanks, Virgie. Yeah, well, I uh, have just retired from leading our church in Sydney after 42 years. Uh, and before that, I was pastoring for 10 years. So I've been pastoring for 52 years. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking he doesn't look that old. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, the thing is, we haven't, uh, we, we got, I got born again at 19 and my wife at 18. We were just boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, but we got married like uh, three weeks later uh, because wow. we'd been living together like uh, hippies do. And I was part of the Jesus revolution. And uh, and so we we got a big commune and picked up drug addicts and social misfits. People had gotten out of prison and took them home and tried to get them off drugs and help them. And we saw about 1,000 to 1,100 people come to Christ over that next nine months. Wow. Uh, but then... Uh, my wife uh, fell pregnant, and so we uh, actually moved out of that big house, which was like a commune, into where we saw revival uh, in, in quite a, a phenomenal way. People sovereignly turning up at our house asking to get saved and whole gangs of, uh, of motorbike, motorcycle gangs getting saved and things that were, you know, uh, aston- they seemed normal to us, it, it, and, but astonishing to the church that we were, we were a part of. And then I became uh, an assistant pastor, and then uh, at 28, the Lord spoke to me to start a church in a town called Littleton. We went out there. It was a, it was a little town, had 3,000 people, and, uh, and God didn't let the church grow. It, it started at about 15, and over three years, it got all the way to 30, I think. 
uh, because I think he, I'm sure the Lord wanted to limit the the, the damage <laughs> that, that uh, I was doing on my my learner cycle, just trying to figure out uh, how to how to lead people, how to pastor people, how to preach, how to do all sorts of things, and. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a season in everybody's life when you're in the shadow of his hand and he's forming and shaping you. And I mean, I, I think we all spend areas of our life in that in that formative time, but that definitely was that for us. And then he said, go start a church in Sydney. And we had a couple of hiccup starts to that, but eventually arrived in 1980 in Sydney and started our first church service in Easter that with 13 people. And uh, and that that church exploded. I mean, it really grew. Wow. I had no idea really how, although I started getting asked to leadership conferences and I'd kind of think I knew how and talk about it. But honestly, uh, it was just an amazing time. And the church became hundreds and hundreds of people very quickly. And then uh, I felt the Lord say, start a church in in each of 10 major cities around the world. And I thought, oh, God, that's my life goal. That's my life theme. <laughs> so I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. And uh, uh, and within four years, we'd done it. And I thought, well, maybe that's it. You know. But then the feeling like we should have a go at 100 churches. And so we had a go at that. And within a short period of time, we saw 100 churches. We had a Bible college that was developing leaders. We had all sorts of... Uh, intern apprenticeship uh, situations. I wouldn't say processes or schools, but just in a very organic way included a lot of young men and women in our in our world. And that of its own course brought growth as leaders. Mm. And so then, uh, you know, we, we met that hundred goal and then we found ourselves in two hemispheres, northern and southern. So we started with a, two regions, northern and southern, and then it's kept growing and growing until now we've got 14 regions around the world and a little over 600 churches. Wow. And so that brings us up to the day where I retired, like I said, from leading the Sydney church uh, about uh, a year and a half ago and giving myself fully to just building our movement, leading and building our, our movement around the world. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it's good for our avail audience to kind of lean in and understand uh, Pastor Phil, that you are leading uh, a church movement and network uh, in 14 regions of the world, over 600 churches. Uh, and even though you're not now specifically leading the church in Sydney, you're overseeing uh, this charge. Man, that is that is amazing. We want to learn. We want to grow. I know you have 26 books you've written, by the way, everybody, you can find Phil Pringle's books on Amazon, all 26, but let's talk about disciple. I know this came about uh, right. in, 20, in 22, by the way, this is a subject that has been um, burning in my heart as a pastor, as a Christian, this whole concept of what it means to be a disciple. So why did you write this book? How did it come about and, and why in this time? Well, <clears throat> to tell you the truth, Verge. I've been trying to write this book for around 15 years and I've had wow. it on the shelf and I keep going back to it and back to it, just shaping it and harnessing it and, and trying to bring it into a communicable format that every Christian can get a hold of because it is so basic to mm -hmm. me. I mean, I am I speak a lot on leadership, a lot on faith, but that's not at the base of my life. The baseline is disciple. Yeah. And uh, before I'm a professional minister, 
before I am a speaker, a preacher, or mm-hmm. praying for the sick or anything. I'm a disciple. And I think to get that right is, is really important. And, but uh, the, the, the culmination of the book, I, I really felt prompted when we got into COVID. I wrote one book called Do It Now because I found a lot of people treading water waiting until this was over before they were going to do something. I said, no, do it now. Wow. And uh, so that's a whole, a whole way of thinking for me. Uh, and, and then at the end, as COVID came to an end, I found a lot of Christians had lost their Christianity. They wow. were just in a mess. They weren't going to church. They, they forgot how to pray. They, you know, and, and I mean, watching church online, they were kind of in p- pajamas, eating popcorn, doing emails and <laughs> Churches on in the background under the sheets, you know. It's like uh, I, I think, guys, guys, and and I, I questioned myself. I thought, have we been preaching churchianity and not wow. Christianity? Have we been making churchians? And and I thought, wow, we we really do think. Look, if I could only get my friend to church, well, you put a, a skateboard in a garage, it doesn't make him a Christian, right? Uh, bringing them into church isn't going to bringing them to Jesus is what causes people to be born again. And not just to, I also was was disappointed that when scandals, there were quite a number of scandals hit the church, the cynicism in some believers rose so high. Right. And they thought, oh, I'm done with church and whatever. And I thought, man, if it just takes a little scandal here and there to, to knock you out, hmm. it, it, it reveals commitment. And I, and then I guess, uh, my, my concern as a preacher, uh, listening to preaching and my own content, was that I did not want to create consumeristic Christians who God was there for them. He was like, God, can you do this for me? Can, and I go to the church to get this in my life. I, uh, it's, it's like a what's in it for me yeah. vibe. And I think that's because we've got people have gotten stuck at the cross verge. I, yeah. I think... And I, I know, I know, cling to the old rugged crosses. It's, it's famous old hymn, and we all believe that. But I think we've got to actually go beyond the cross. Yeah. Uh, I believe in the cross with all my heart, and I, I, I go there to confess sin, to be released. To, uh, but I've got to at the cross. He's my savior. But when I make a, a step beyond that, he becomes my lord. And there's a big yeah. difference between having him as a, your savior and having him as your Lord. Uh, if, if he's your Lord, he modifies your lifestyle and you need a lot less saving. And so I think that if we could just get out of the idea that Jesus has set me free, healed me, saved me, moving on to the zone where he's saying, rather than Jesus picking up his cross and dying for us, we pick up our cross and die for him. And I feel like there's a new generation that are aching for a more compelling message, not just a candy floss message that's saying, oh, God's going to give you Disneyland. Uh, it, it's like I think people are hungry yes. for a life that, that's got blood and guts in it, that's got grit in it and is, has, has a sense of masculinity about let's, go to, let's enter the war, the battle, even though we might get a few bruises and wounds, we're we're going to actually win this thing. And I, and, and I don't think it can be won by just people who are happy to be saved. I think taking their next step where Jesus is Lord is, is really important. That's huge. I love what you're saying. I have two really big questions. 
because I think you can unpack for us some wisdom insights here. Um, the first one is kind of based on this, the concept of your book, Disciple. Um, I've been wrestling for some time now. Uh, you know, you read in the scriptures that when Jesus, you know, was walking, there were multitudes that followed, but then there was an intimate group. Um, I find that there's so many in the multitudes, but so few in the inner circle. I find that in my church and in churches that I visit, there's a lot of Christians, but few disciples. Right. Why? 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 That, that's my first question is why? And then after that, I, I want to hear your thoughts. And then I want to come back with the second question. Well, I don't think it's ever going to be any different. Unfortunately, I wish we all wish it was as pastors. But but if it was like that with Jesus, <laughs> with with the Son of God walking around, and right, you've got the the multitudes, and then a seventy, and then the twelve, and then the three. That's a that's with Jesus, and and <laughs> we, we, I mean. You would think everybody would be compelled and God, I can feel the presence of God. This is, this is, I'm giving my life to this. But no, some just wanted to come along and get free bread and fish. And, uh, and, and, and so there were those, that big crowd that weren't that deeply committed. They fled once he became unpopular. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think my attention, though, in church life has been to give the bulk of my attention to the strong and the disciples. And I find that when you do that, it spreads. Uh, a, a, a traditional thinking pastor may, may think, oh, look, the strong are good. They get, they're okay. I'm going to go and look after the weak and the poor in the church. But then what you give attention to, you get more of. And so yeah. you, you, you get, once the once the, the weak and the poor are feeling like they're getting the prime attention, then even the strong start to feel like, well, maybe, you know, if I started talking about how weak and broken and (laughs) hopeless I am, you know, but I've found that as you shine the light and profile and honor and, and give time and attention to the strong, like Jacob did with the sheep, he put the vision in front of the strong and then took it away when the, the others came along. And, and, and I think that's what Jesus was doing. He, he said, these are the strong. I'm going yeah. to pour my life into them. And then when he got, when he rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit came, they changed the world. And it, it's not like the multitudes are going to change the world. It's just those few who are committed to the Lord. It's always been that way. It, like they transform their generation, the Elijahs, the Daniels, the, the, these men. I mean, Billy Graham, for goodness sake. Uh, <laughs> There's not a, there's not a thousand Billy Grahams. There's, there's only we want Reinhard Bonnke, these Dr. Yongi Cho. It's not like this, but they inspire thousands to actually take that next step. Yeah, that's good. I, I love what you're saying. Um, I, I would love. There's a lot of pastors and church leaders that 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 are right now leaning into this conversation, Pastor Phil. And, and maybe I know your book, you know, by the way, everybody, you got to get this book disciple by Phil Pringle. I know your book will probably unleash more, but in a practical sense, could could you maybe give us a few, a couple practical nuggets? How do we do this? How, How do we, how do we raise that percentage of people of Christians who come to our church or who are part of our 
spiritual family that actually begin to take steps to become disciples. You mentioned right now about, about focusing and giving a lot of attention to the strong, you know, what, what are some practical things that, that could give us some handles to say, man, I could do this with my church and my people. Well, that's such a good question, Virg, and it's such an important question. Okay, so the word inclusion is key. Jesus said to the disciples, come and be with me. Just be with me. That's good. You'll pick up, and he did that from day one. He didn't do it halfway through the ministry time. He did it from day one. He said, come and be with me. So <clears throat> here's, here's a little story that I tell to illustrate that point. Uh, uh, when I was... You know, uh, well, when when you get a phone call from Mary who says, my mum's Elizabeth's in the hospital, pastor says, oh, I'll come visit her. And Mary says, yeah, that's great. So you put your Bible on your arm, get in your car, go to the hospital, you visit her, do the 15-minute visit, pray for her, share a scripture. You know, Mary's there and a couple of friends and you shake their hands, say, oh, great to see you, love to see you at church sometime. And, uh, and then you go and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Whoa. But in my mind, you just committed one of the worst sins in church leadership. <laughs> you did the worst possible thing because now, you number one, you put a cap on your church. You can only do that with a 250-people church, visit yep. everybody who gets sick. And, and so now if you don't go and visit somebody else who's sick in hospital, they're going to be saying, well, what am I, chop liver? I mean, uh -huh. how come they get the pastor and I don't? And and now you're going to be doing something that takes away, eats away at your quality time to, to give to preaching on Sunday morning, giving that message to the church. And so now you've, you've got this visiting thing happening in your world. It becomes a culture, an expected culture from the church. And uh, the, 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 the thing you should have done was to ring up your youth leader and say, hey, Jim, yeah. come with me. We're going around to visit Elizabeth, Mary's mom. So you walk into the room, and there all the, the family, they're all gathered around. And you say, hi, everybody. This is Jimmy, our youth leader. He's incredible. Uh, Jimmy, you go ahead and pray. And they learn. and they, they, It's a little bit of a shock at first. The pastor didn't pray for us. And, but he's going to pray a much better prayer because he's not he, – he, he's, he's excited with the possibility yep. – I mean, when I first asked people to baptize, like I, I don't, I'm, in, in my years of pastoring, after the first couple of years, I didn't baptize anybody, marry anybody, bury anybody. <laughs> I, didn't, uh, I didn't go do counseling. I didn't do visitation. I mean, you might say, well, what did you do? <laughs> you see, all that is in the traditional pastor's mind. This is, i got to do yeah. all this stuff. And, yeah. and they hate it. Often they hate it. I, I fainted in hospitals. I'd go visit somebody in the hospital, see blood, and I'd fall over. I was the worst <laughs> visitor you could have. When I called Mark Kelsey over to do, and this other guy, Peter, to do some baptizing, this is after about 18 months in our church, the, the Lord spoke to me. He said, get them to baptize. I said, Lord. Wow. Because we were doing it in a pool down at the beach in public. <clears throat> and I said, Lord, they've only been saved like three months. Oh, he my said, goodness. Go on. Bring them in. And one of them was wearing Speedos, you know, like, like small togs. <laughs> and I was going like, Lord. And, but anyway, I asked them to come over. Well, my Lord, they nearly drowned those people. They gave them the best baptism you could ever have had. I was just doing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Next one. Because I'd been preaching all morning. And, but, 
But new people coming in, they're passionate, they're excited, and they're enthusiastic. And so Jimmy prays the prayer in the hospital, and he casts out demons. He's healing the sick. He's bringing the power of God in the room. The bed is shaking. The people all feel, wow, because he's just, he's new. He's raw. He's fresh, but he brings it rather than just being a professional pastor who's going to do a nice, quiet, little non-eventful prayer. He actually does something in that in that place. And so on the way out, you know, and, and then you say, Jimmy, you got a scripture for us? And he'll say, yeah, I got this. And uh, on the way out, you say to Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm not coming next week, but you come and visit her and you bring somebody else. That is disciple making. Disciples are made. They're not born. And so you got to include them. Just It's just a phone call. Just include them. If you're, if you're in a board meeting, bring in some of your young guys. If you're in a counseling session. If you're a counselor, bring in somebody else with you if, if it's appropriate. I mean, but if you're always doing things just on your own, you got no legacy. Your ministry is going to stop with you. And so the the culture of inclusion has been a big one for me. When you ask for practical yeah. uh, pathways, that's a big one. That's better than a school. It's better than a classroom. It's uh, can be better than internship because you are personally including people. We would include them in our holidays. We'd, t- we'd all vacation together. We'd include them around our table and dinner times. We'd eat together, mm-hmm. laugh together. So, so just be. It's not. It's not a formal situation. It's an actual life thing where you love these people and you love having them. You recognize that God has joined them to you, and you bring them in now. Now, here's, here's, there's a caveat on this, Virg, uh-huh. and that is you don't ask idiots to come into your industry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I mean, no, I, I don't mean, you know, but, but people who are, they're, they're just foolish, you know, they, they do unfortunate things. They, they uh, uh, you know, you, you don't try and bring them in to fix them up. Right. Uh, you don't give a person a job to fix them up. You, yeah. you, you choose you choose a teachable person. You don't bring a person who's, who's saying, "Look, I know everything," and he's no. What could you teach me? You, you don't ask. That person isn't going to learn, and it can be a hard emotional thing because they can use emotional blackmail on you. So use me or lose me. You know, include me or I'm out. Right. And so that's where being strong as a leader becomes pretty important. And uh, and so. I, you know, your selection process must have a filter on it. And mm-hmm. so teachability is high. Um, alignment with the vision. They resonate with the vision. They love the vision of the church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're happy to be part of a team. They don't want to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. So getting those, you know, there's, there's a few more criteria I might, you know, think of. Uh, but, uh, but, but actually they're the... They're the bottom line. The, the teachability and the resonance with the vision would be two of, two of the highest. Chaos. Many are opposed to it, but the best of leaders realize that this is one of their most powerful leadership tools. Introducing leadership expert and renowned author Sam Chan's newest book, How Leaders Create Chaos and Why They Should. In this groundbreaking new book, Sam Chan shares decades of his leadership wisdom with readers and equips them with a new understanding of why the best leaders create chaos. 
discover powerful leadership strategies, and uncover practical insights that will revolutionize the way you lead and think. From organizational best practices to how to build up the perfect team, this book will empower you in every area of your leadership. Invest in yourself and dive into Sam Chan's newest book by visiting samchandchaosbook.com. Yeah, I think that's huge. Uh, I think uh, what you're talking about, culture of inclusion, is huge, especially in the in the context of disciple making, which, by the way, is what we're called to do as Christians. We're called <laughs> to be yeah. disciple makers who make di- disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And I think that's the that's a big challenge. Exactly. I, yeah, yeah. I think I think as you're speaking, I'm I'm getting um I, I'm I'm getting inspired uh to intentionally bring some people into some things where maybe I would have gone in by myself. I think that's a great word for all the pastors and leaders out there. Um how, how can we connect this? I know there's something um there's something that's been brewing inside of you regarding just just the what the Holy Spirit is not only doing but about to do in this next season, and I know that I know that there's there's a connection between true disciples being led and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Talk to me a little bit about what what you're sensing. Yeah, well, I think discipleship without the Holy Spirit becomes very like porridge. It's um, it can just become a boring set of rules, uh, mm-hmm. like an Old Testament New Testament uh, or a New Testament Old Testament. It's, it's like uh, when you start talking about disciplines in your life, mm-hmm. um, that's more the fruit of self-control, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just having trying to live a morally good lifestyle by a set of disciplines on your own strength. That's that's a very difficult Christianity, and often mm-hmm. it's been preached, you know. And, and when people fall over and fail because they're fighting their own flesh, I mean, you've got to have a force stronger than you in you. Yeah. And that's the, that's the Holy Spirit. But in terms of church life as a church leader, um, discipleship is the riverbank. And it's, it's really important when the Spirit moves in a church to have riverbanks because I've seen visitations in churches that have, at the end of the day, it would seem it didn't really help the church. Hmm. It, 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 there were less people at the end of the move of God. People were worn out, exhausted. Um, a lot of a lot of people were permitted to do some pretty wild, unusual things that didn't help mm-hmm. uh, settled, sane people remain uh, in the place. And so, my contention has been: you can have a move of God. And move in the power of the Holy Spirit without being weird. Right. You don't have to be. It's weirdness is not the gauge of how spiritual you are. It, mm-hmm. it, you can have a move of God and still be completely sane and uh, in control. Uh, we're told Paul says, "Hey, you know, monitor the moving of the Holy Spirit. Like there should be this many who prophesy. One should speak in tongues, and this one should do that, and then you should do." And and so he said, "Organize it." Organize the moving of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so when he's moving, it's not just this flood that dissipates into the ground, but there are riverbanks. Mm. And you can direct the flow of the move of the Holy Spirit into church growth and into discipleship. So you bring people to the altar. So they consecrate themselves, not so that they just get a touch, uh, 
but they actually go forward in their journey with God and and discover the ministry that he's got for them. Not the not so much the destiny. I mean, people talk about, oh, God's got a destiny for you, and it sounds like he wants to make me famous or he wants but I sometimes the destiny is to die on a cross. Yeah. Like Jesus did that was the 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 death the the, the the call of God mm-hmm. includes a wide range of things, all the way from terrible to wonderful. And to be committed to Christ, to bring the when the, when the move of God comes to to channel mm. that into discipleship is super important. So that people say, "Okay, I'm going to make a commitment so that I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back." I love that. Um, one of the things that we were talking before we we started recording this podcast is the reality of of the heaviness of opposition that's coming in these times from the enemy uh, attacks. I'm, I mean, it, it seems like it seems like there's a there's an intentional and strong opposition to all things Jesus all things Holy Spirit, all things God. And, um, and, I, and I know that one of the things you've been sensing is, is a true kind of outpouring, <laughs> uh, just yeah. maybe, maybe like we've yeah. never seen before, which by the way, I'm praying for, Lord, we need an outpouring of your Holy Spirit oh, yeah. that we haven't seen. And um, can, can you speak to that a little bit? Well, I, we were, I was in a Zoom meeting yesterday with our uh, lead team organizing our uh, conference in Singapore next year which will be a global conference. And uh, they asked me for the title and I said, we're going to call it The Outpouring. And I really have a sense that we are going to see an outpouring. You know, Verge, uh, it, it always amazes me how long it takes God to put up with evil or bad things happening before mm-hmm. he actually does something. And, and it's a common theme through scripture, how long, oh Lord, how long are you going to mm-hmm. let this go on for? And uh, <clears throat> apparently there are, you know, there's, there comes a time in God's calendar when he says, okay, so now I'm going to act. And looking around the world today, you can feel almost discouraged thinking, oh, we're getting swamped. We're, we're getting hammered <clears throat> in every corner. Mm. But it seems to me that God only leaves it longer so that his work is greater. And his power that falls where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So when you see bad things happening through the history of the Bible, they seem to happen to such an extent where Elijah feels like he's the only one left in the entire nation. Hmm. He he wasn't aware of this few thousand who hadn't yet bowed the knee, which is a pretty lame position to be in. They weren't actively witnessing and confessing Christ, but they just hadn't bowed the knee to the false god. But that's only a few thousand, and, and Elijah's the lone prophet. Daniel, all these guys. like, And then finally, God comes through. But when he comes through, it is with such overwhelming impact. So when the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord ra- rises. And when we get when we feel like we're getting flooded, and I know a lot of people do, pastors with all the recent problems and difficulties. I would say to you, pastor and leaders, there's a move coming of such immense power hmm. that it'll it'll make people's eyeballs rock in their sockets. Their, their knees will tremble. 
and the fear of God, not just the concept, but the literal tremble, trembling of God will, will fill people's hearts as they feel this incredible presence of the Lord coming and the immense love of God overwhelming all the people's offenses and hatreds. And we will, we will see. And I, I can see the signs of it beginning now. You, you've seen it, Virg, like with mm-hmm. Ashbury and street revivals here in yeah. California and, and things are starting to happen and it's mostly happening with young people, which is a sign when he says, I'll pour out my spirit. You're young men, we'll see, you know, young girls will prophesy. It's like we mm. are at the very front end of an enormous, immense outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I love it. I love it. We're praying for that. You know, you mentioned something right now about, about you know, young people, young men, young women. Um, I can't help but think that people like yourself, Phil, who have been pastoring and leading and shepherding and disciple making for, you know, over four decades, um, uh, you know, and seeing God's favor, um, what, what would you, what would you speak? What would you say if, 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 if we were in front of just a, a, a couple hundred young men and women, young ministry leaders, and, and kind of as a spiritual father that, that had an opportunity to pour out some wisdom. Hey, here's a few things that I want you to think about, pray about and prepare for, for this journey that is ministry, for this journey that is the pastorate, um, kind of as a father, what would be some of those, those top, those top bullet points that you would say, man, I really, I really think young pastors, young ministry leaders should really know or learn some of these things or grow in these areas? Well, it's, it's so basic, Virge. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I have been asked this question a lot, uh, and I feel so lame in my answer. Because <laughs> it, is, it is basic Christianity. It's pray and read your uh-huh. Bible. <laughs> there you go. But it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to get up at 5.30 every morning for the rest of your life and pray. <clears throat> it's one thing to know you're meant to read your Bible, but it's another thing to study it and meditate in it for two, three hours a day. Hmm. But if you're ever going to be effective in ministry, you got to do both. You, you, and I'm talking every day. Every day with Jesus, it's not just saying, oh, I'll, I'll pray for 15 minutes today when uh, after lunch, and I might just get a couple of scriptures in, you know, here and there. But that is your basic discipline for life, mm. to understand how to read the Bible and how to meditate in scripture. All the juices of ministry come out of that word. Everything that we've seen uh, happen through what we're doing comes out of the word of God, the, not just the principles, but the juice, the life that's yeah. in the word. Uh, if you can get that word out of your head into your spirit through meditation in the scripture, so you meditate on one scripture and you let it drop into your spirit, it brings light, it brings food, it brings life, hmm. it brings strength. And I would say most people only have maybe two or three scriptures down in their spirit. <laughs> but if you're a minister, I mean, they got a lot of knowledge. They can quote scriptures, say them. Yeah. But when you get the life of the word, the word of life, the word of faith down in your spirit, that's what the church is built on. Jesus said, I'll build my church on this. What is it? Revelation. Revelation of who he is and who, who Peter was. 
in, in, I'll tell you who you are. And so Peter had two things revealed to him that day, who Jesus was and who he was. And if we can com- constantly be bringing revelation out mm-hmm. of the Word of God, that will feed the people of God. It's the manna from yeah. heaven. It's the bread of life. Yeah, and that's then good. we cook it in the oven of prayer. And there's so many different kinds of prayer. I'm just about to publish a new book called Paul's Prison Prayers. I'll be releasing that in May next year. But there's four prayers that Paul prayed, and they transformed my life, Virg, when I did mm. that Bible study uh, in several ways. But Paul's prayers and Jesus' prayer, our Father who art in heaven, if, if, if we're not in prayer, we won't make it as mm. in, in ministry in terms of succeeding and fulfilling what God's called us to. Yeah. The beauty of the basic, read the, yeah. pray and read the Bible. I love that. Um, before we, uh, we're hitting the final stretch. And before we uh, share with people where they can connect with you, if there's one last question I wanted to ask you just because I think, I don't know, I think there could be something there for us. Um, I think a lot of people nowadays might say, Hey, Phil Pringle invested in me. Uh, I learned so much from his, uh, teaching from his discipling for his ministry. But what about Phil Pringle on your journey? Can you, can you maybe mention, I don't know, maybe one or two people who you feel, man, these people really either poured into me or I learned from them so much. I'm, I'm just curious to know who, who are, what's the name or two that might pop up? Well, I'm, I'm a collection of a whole bunch of people. Virgin. <laughs> yeah. There's been some magnificent men, that I've been very privileged, very honored to get close to. Uh, and, you know, as father figures sometimes, but definitely mentors, uh, Dr. Yongi Cho, I was uh, serving and still am on the board of CGI, uh, but um, was in that boardroom with him and in South Korea, South Korea Seoul, once a year uh, at least, uh, with him, and that, they were very privileged times to be with mm. the pastor of the largest church in the world for over about 40 years. Wow. Amazing man of God. Uh, Dr. Ed Cole, who I respect immensely, his son and grandson are in our movement. His grandson, Brandon Cole, runs a C3 church in Fort Worth. I loved Ed Cole for his stand on his revival and recovery, I guess, of, of masculinity and men. Mm-hmm. And in Paul Lewis. Woo! Yeah. And uh, yes, and uh, I would say um, uh, Dr. Sumrall from Indiana. I was involved with him quite a few times, uh, speaking at his conference. He spoke for us in our church many times. Um, And then from a distance in books, Smith Wigglesworth, I devoured all of his stuff early on. Loved uh, Oral Roberts, uh, what he brought in terms of uh, Holy Spirit. Uh, dimension and healing uh, in and and in more recent times great men like Sam Chan he's, <laughs> he's an awesome leader uh, love Sam and uh, have been blessed to get close to you know a, a reasonable number of these heroes of the faith Jack Hayford was always such a great man of God uh, that I had a few moments with and found them to be very rich and, and precious as well that's beautiful. I think there's something part of our legacy in this world is not only what we leave behind, but, but who, 
And I think there's something beautiful about seeing a, a generation to generation of kingdom work, of, of um, ministry and church leadership. Uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for being a leader, but thank you for sharing that because I think uh, it's important to all, for all of us to know everybody needs some people to lean into. Um, this has been great, Phil. I think we're going to have to do another one, another episode. We're going to have to coordinate <laughs> yeah. this. Uh, I would love to. Yes, sir. Uh, I would love to point people in the right direction. I know that that if that all your books, you have 26 books, Amazon, they can find them. Where else can they connect with you or find more information about you, Phil? Uh, PhilPringle.com is my website, which has my books. And I also paint. I was going to be a painter before I met the Lord and I put it down for 25 years. But uh, then I, I felt him giving me a certain kind of painting style. And I did that and found that it, it was it gained quite quite a lot of popularity. So th- there's artwork on there as well, and uh, and my itinerary uh, throughout the year, uh, and then uh, C3 Church Global dot uh, com. I think that's the website name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can find out what we're doing around the world and where we're doing it. Uh, there are some incredible hotspots in our movement right now uh, that we're seeing immense surges for we have a we have a uh, uh, a course called express where we train young ministers and it's both physically it's it's their physical mental emotional and spiritual health and it's a one week intense boot camp we do that all around the world and we've like in indonesia i think we had 156 there in europe recently wow. 70 uh in america we had a bunch and so we do this every year and out of that we generally see uh you know, maybe thirty percent of them will go start a church and wow. uh, and do really well at it. That's so cool. You heard it, everybody. PhilPringle.com, C3ChurchGlobal.com, and you could find Phil Pringle's books uh, anywhere books are sold, including Amazon. Uh, Disciple is the one we talked about today, which I'm I can't wait to get my hands on. Uh, let me mention this real quick, Phil, before a last a last word from you. Uh, the Avail Journal. This is a Christian leadership magazine. Uh, everybody out there, if you're whether you're watching or listening, the Avail Journal is a great addition to your resources as a leader. As a leader, you want to grow. Avail Journal. The first year's on us, availjournal.com. We have great articles from amazing leaders and pastors, people like Phil Pringle, and uh, you can lean in and learn. Availjournal.com is where you can get that. Hey, Phil, what's the final thought, final nugget to leave on people's hearts today? Well, I love that word avail, Verge. I love that word. You know, the the Bible says about in the book of James that the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much (laughs) and that means it accomplishes a whole lot so before we get into three steps to success or five steps to retailing uh success or you know how to how to get your business growing how to make your church grow maybe effective fervent praying would help us to actually get there and you know it says that it said that james had knees like camel's knees because he prayed so much on his knees and he was definitely a man of prayer, the Lord's brother. And uh, and so let's take that home with us and connect Avail Magazine with the idea of let's get praying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, drop the mic. Hashtag <laughs> Pastor Phil Pringle. I like that. Um, Pastor Phil, on behalf of the Avail team, uh, Dr. Sam Chan, Martine Van Tilburg, everybody who works behind the scenes here, we just want to say we're thankful for your leadership. We honor you and, and your wife and everything you're doing in the ministry and, 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 and 
man, what a, what a, what a, what a great example. And may the Lord continue to use you in ways that you can ever imagine in that outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life. We, we truly bless you. Thank you, Verge. It's been a pleasure. Yes, sir. Hey, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Pastor Phil Pringle, so much leadership, so much wisdom, so much encouragement. Uh, as always, everybody, my name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church in South Florida, Iglesia Vertical. We are one church, two languages. I'm also your host for these weekly leadership conferences. It's a seminar every time we talk here. I hope you stay connected, everybody. Remember, a new episode pops out every week right here. When we talk about the art of leadership, we'll see you next time here on the Avail Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail Podcast with our guest, Phil Pringle. You can find out more about Phil on social media and by going to philpringle.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. And make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. As always, I'm your Avail podcast host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail podcast. <laughs>